as more U.S. banks become scrutinized and get closer to a date with the FDIC and federal regulators, we have to keep in mind that this is not about U.S. banks, nor really banks in general. Remember, when Silicon Valley failed, Silicon Valley Bank failed back in the middle of March, a week later, a little bit over a week after that, Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse, not a U.S. regional bank, not a U.S. bank at all. This is a global phenomenon. And as we, as we get more and more U.S. banks coming to the front, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that there is a global process underway. Monetary process, monetary deflation leading into a deflationary economy. Now, most of the write-ups and stories that you hear about U.S. banks focus in on what? Rate hikes, and as I mentioned yesterday, increasingly we're going to be hearing about those damn short sellers, evil speculators. Because rate hikes make it sound like this is something the Fed wanted, and if the Fed wants to, it can easily fix it with all the rate cuts that the markets are projecting. At the same time, if you believe this is all just a bunch of evil, greedy, speculated short sellers who are causing havoc for their own personal gain, then it makes it sound like this is really nothing at all, that we're making too much out of what is really too little, a molehill, if you will. But we all know, I think we all intuitively know, there's a lot more going on here. There must be, because you don't get from Silicon Valley Bank to Credit Suisse and have that happen right in the middle of March at the bottleneck like we see for other systemic issues during periods in time in which we don't remember very fondly for these same reasons. And I think we all know that over the last several years, how things really got screwed up, in particular, real estate, commercial real estate. Commercial real estate was one of the most heavily sought after, heavily prized, heavily funded and leveraged sectors in the pandemic, the immediate pandemic supply shock economy, the economy and financial system that arose from the lockdowns. Everybody said, first of all, it's going to be hugely inflationary. Therefore, we need real assets to shelter our money. That's Investors thought that. Investors chased after every form of real asset they could find, including commercial real estate. And from the commercial real estate development side, they thought like all of the companies that were that were over-ordering on goods, that the good times were going to last, that the CPI represented the actual economy, and that we were in not just a recovery, but maybe even a permanent plateau of prosperity. The attitude in commercial real estate was if they build it, everyone will come and pay top dollar for it. So for quite a long period of time, the system, the sector, went absolutely crazy. But the assumptions underpinning that craziness have been revealed more and more to have been faulty, to say the least, if not dangerously so. And as the economy, the real economy, begins to reassert itself, the real post-2020 environment looks a lot like the previous decade did. All of the assumptions, all of those faulty assumptions, really come home and start to become major issues. Not about rate hikes, not about short sellers, but global systemic problems, money, finance, and economy, all of those things joining together in a way that leads us right into the 2008 style scenario. But first, 
I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, if you're interested, Eurodollar University memberships available. We have exclusive video content on the background behind the Eurodollar system, not just Eurodollar futures, it's a Eurodollar system, as well as research subscriptions. Daily briefing I do in partnership with MarketsInsiderPro.com. That's Stephen Van Meter, Tracy Shukart, as well as the daily deep dive analysis at Eurodollar University's website, diving deep every day into all of these topics, not just commercial real estate, not just curves, but all of the deep money and financial fundamentals that lead into economic conditions, both today and what it might mean for tomorrow. So memberships, research subscriptions, all the information, eurodollar.university. We're going to begin going global today in Sweden. Sweden is, as many know, but maybe maybe many don't know, one of the biggest commercial real estate and really just residential and real estate in general bubbles around. And it's sort of a canary in the coal, in the coal mine for European commercial real estate. I've talked many times about U.S. commercial real estate, including a, a video, uh, an interview I did with Real Vision's Maggie Lake, a little bit over a week ago, we went into CLOs and commercial real estate. Check that out if you want to. But Sweden, again, this is a, a global problem. The, it wasn't just commercial real estate over development and overextending of credit and leverage in the United States. It was all over the place, Sweden, Europe, everywhere else. And Sweden has experienced quite a bit of reversal too, as you would expect. Reversal in especially Swedish stocks, Swedish developer and real estate stocks, going back to around around middle of March. So as the global monetary system and created financial difficulties and volatility, that seems to have zeroed in, in with particular emphasis on these Swedish developers. One in particular that has caused a lot of alarm, a lot of warning signs that are going off all over Europe, it's called, I'm not going to say that. There's no way I'm going to Sam something, some SBB for short. We'll call this SBB. SBB has been sort of, it has been the immediate target. It has been subject to downgrades by S&P. Here's what the Financial Times wrote about it just yesterday. In Sweden, investors' fear, ha, fears have coalesced around SBB, which was forced to cancel its dividend and a rights issue after S&P cut its debt rating. Its shares are down 40% this week to its lowest level in five years and 90% since the start of last year. So here we have something going on in with SBV, Swedish real estate, commercial real estate development, yet we're blaming short sellers because this article contained numerous references to the same thing. Here's, again, going further. And analysts, analysts and traders have set their sights on the Scandinavian country because of the industry's reliance on short-term debt. Hedge funds' short positions in the Swedish real estate sector have soared this year, reaching their highest level in over a decade, according to data provided by Breakout Point. A sell-off in SBB spread to domestic, residential, and commercial property competitors, including a couple names I'm not going to pronounce, which have also increasingly been targeted by short sellers this year. There it is. 
blame the short sellers for trying to find some weak firms and make a killing by killing them in the media. This is all about nothing, or is it about something? Is SBB a canary in the coal mine or just another one of these outliers that happens to be coming up more and more frequently? That's what we need to figure out. And as I mentioned yesterday, went through yesterday with the markets, the markets are clearly pricing that these are not outliers, that these are symptomatic of all of the bad things that you can imagine with the massive amounts of malinvestment over the last several years, trying to paper over which had what had been an enormous, costly, and painful intervention in the global economy and the global marketplace. Now, they managed to kick the can down the road a couple years, which in some ways is a is an incredible feat. Not commendable feat, but incredible nonetheless. But eventually the piper needed to be paid. And we could see that coming with the way the monetary system had behaved all throughout 2021 into 2022 and now 2023. By the way, it doesn't seem like SBB's problems are all about short sellers because just this morning, Reuters came out with a report which said that, well, troubled Swedish real estate group SBB has sold most of its shares in construction company JM for 2.8 billion Swedish crowns, which is about 276 million US dollars taking a significant loss on a stake bought less than two years ago. The transaction gives SBB a much needed cash infusion after scrapping a share issue this week when ratings agency S&P Global downgraded the company's debt to junk status. This doesn't sound like just a bunch of short sellers throwing some stuff at the wall, hoping to speculate on falling share prices. This sounds like a real honest-to-goodness liquidity problem, which the company met by doing the last thing that any company, whether a private company, whether a construction firm, or a regional bank wants to do. And that's short sale, fire sale assets at a loss. Not short sale, fire sale assets at a loss. Imagine you're a European deposit holder and rates have gone up a little bit and you can get a better return, say, in a money market fund because your bank is, is being stingy, not raising its deposit rates all that much. So not thinking too much about it, you say, well, I'll take the better deal at the money market fund. Now we're supposed to believe, like with Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic, this is the primary problem that banks are having around the world. Depositors demanding higher returns that for some unexplained reason, the banking system refuses to meet. However, this is not necessarily an issue. And it's certainly not the issue because this circulation through wholesale markets is a natural part of the wholesale system since it developed really under the Eurodollar framework decades ago. So I pull my funds out of a European bank that doesn't want to pay the deposit rate. I put them in a money market fund who then lends into the wholesale market. And that European bank I, I took the funds out of can simply borrow them back in that wholesale market. They might have to pay a little bit more of, than it wanted to on deposits, but the funds are available so long as it has the cash. And this is precisely the issue that Paul Volcker's Fed was having back in 1979 and 1980, really into the early 80s, because banks were purposely converting, pushing money market funds on their customers because they could pay better rates and then borrowing the funds back in wholesale to avoid reserve requirements and the more expensive reserves that Paul Volcker's Fed was trying to enforce. So it's not unheard of at all. It's not about the rate hikes or the competitive rates that money market funds offer. It's why aren't the funds circulating back to these banks? And it may just be 
that unlike you, who quite naturally don't look at your deposit as anything more than a deposit, a checking account, what do I care, a savings account. I don't really look too deeply into the balance sheet mechanics of the bank that I have deposits with, but a money market fund would. So if I'm taking my funds out of a bank that I just left them there because they're my bank, I never really thought about what's in their portfolio, and I put them with a money market fund, the money market fund then might do some due diligence on that same bank and come up with a very different conclusion than me, who's just willing to leave my account there, for, except for investment reasons. The money market fund might say, there really is a lot of smoke in this commercial real estate stuff, or just real estate in general, Maybe I want to avoid that particular bank, except at exorbitant prices or exorbitant collateral demands. Collateral demands that the bank is not, is not able to meet, therefore it finds itself having trouble borrowing funds back from wholesale markets. That to me makes a lot more sense than just some simple rate hikes rejiggering some of the wholesale markets. But we also have to take into account other global global impacts too. It's not just about Sweden, it's not just about Europe. We also have to consider the big one, maybe the biggest one. We've been talking about China's real estate bubble for many, many years. And unlike most, I don't think China's real estate bubble is in danger of popping, but it is a persistent drag on the economy, the global economy, as well as it also causes all sorts of problems in the financial system too, because the government knows it has a real estate problem and a financial problem. And therefore it is trying to thread this very tiny needle between not popping the real estate bubble while at the same time, at least appearing to minimally support the economy and at times the financial economy so as to avoid a spiral into a 1989 Japan type scenario. But what that has meant in the context of 2023 is reopening. Reopening was supposed to provide the support that it does not appear to be providing. And now we've, gotten some, now we've got some April figures from the PBOC, the financial, uh, financial statistics report on lending that were consistent with the reopening dud disappointment as well as disappointment and more about future of China's real estate problem. The financial statistics report. RMB loans for the for the month of April, RMB and foreign currency loans, that's total loans for the month of April, those rose 10.9% year over year, which sounds terrific, but that's down from 11.1% in March, so already rolling over and decelerating. And 10.9 is only half a percentage point off what had been the lowest in 20 years and among the lowest growth rates in modern Chinese economy. So 10.9%, not good. Just RMB loans, remember, to start this year, we heard no, all we heard about was RMB loans going crazy through the roof. Here comes China, massive credit impulse. Well, RMB loans were only up 11.8% year over year, which is the same as last year or last month. So RMB loans, they're already rolling over too. And as the PBOC said, in April, new RMB loans amounted to just 718.8 billion RMB, renminbi increasing just 64.9% or 64.9 billion, I added the just there, on year, year on year. So that was about half of what analysts were expecting for this month. But for what we're talking about, real estate, the real issue here, especially in China, household loans, mortgages. 
Now, in the early part of this year, January and February, mortgages disappoint. Household loans were incredibly low, which everybody blamed on. Well, it's reopening, but there's still pandemic. There's still waves of, of, the, of the disease going around. And then there was a big, huge catch up in March. But what about April? April, according to the latest FSR report, household loans dropped by a quarter trillion with short-term loans and medium-term loans both decreasing about half of that drop each. So we had the catch-up in March, and then all of a sudden a quarter trillion decline in April, which is the same, actually a little bit worse than last April when the and most of China was locked down. So the Chinese real estate renaissance, that's not happening either. We had the one-time catch-up, just like in oil prices and oil, oil imports across the Chinese economy. But other than that, reopening presents a huge risk, not just to the global economy, but also what does that mean in terms of China's commercial real estate? Doesn't mean that China's gonna collapse tomorrow, but it's going to continue to pressure all sorts of macroeconomic conditions, as well as financial conditions, risk perceptions among primary among them. We have a global problem and it's not hard to see. And as the global economy becomes weaker, that puts more pressure on the real estate sector in China, in Sweden, in Europe, in the United States, which then pressures US banks, which creates a monetary problem, which creates more problems to the economy. And we're in that self-reinforcing spiral that leads us to the 2008 style scenario. This is not rate hikes, it's not short sellers, it's not about just US banks. We have global problems left over from a couple years ago as well as the last decade and a half, and we still have to pay for all of it. I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, marketsinsiderpro.com subscribers, and of course, our Eurodollar University members. Till next time, take care.